Jalapenos, and the dimensions of the Sugio, which uh, is more for um, spotting juice. Okay, so we're sort of Yose, both shitas here. Um, Chuma also, Chuma's uh, Yose also. So the core question in the Sugia is what does it mean when we say Lifne Iver Lotitein Mechshol? And the way I articulate the Chakira, at least in more uh, broader terms, is are we actually trying to help this person? Or are we actually, in our attempt to help this person, are we actively objectifying this person? What does that mean? A simple shot of the term lifne iver, lotitein mechshol, means I'm not allowed to put a stumbling block before a blind person, okay? And presumably that's letovato, as to his benefit, okay? But let's say for argument's sake, he self-identifies as somebody who's not blind, but I think he is blind, right? So when I'm trying to help him, I'm making a claim about him, which he fundamentally rejects. I'll give you an example. Let's say, for example, I put an act, there's a famous Shiloh about what's called a mikra yotsevide pshuto, right? Whether or not the mikra can be sort of, what shot of a verse can be totally undermined, okay? So in this case, it says, lifne iver you can't put a stumbling block before a blind person. And the way it's understood by the Chachamim is, it means you can't take advantage of somebody. So for example, if someone's a Kohen, I can't say to a Kohen, go marry this girl if I know she's a Grusha, right? I'm taking advantage of him, he's blind to facts. But let's say for argument's sake, I actually put a stumbling block before a blind person. Like I actually took a stumbling block and put it from a blind person. Would I violate the prohibition of lifne ivrilotitei mechshol? That is a machlokis achronim. But the simple pshat is no, because the context of the Torah is not talking about an actual blind person, it's talking about somebody who's blind to reality. So let's think about this for a second before we get to the sources. Let's say, for example, you think somebody's blind to reality, but they disagree. So for example, let's say someone says to you, pass me that cheeseburger, okay? And you say, I don't want to do that because that would be a violation, at least rabbinically, of the phrase lifne iver because he is blind, right, to the reality of kashras, but he claims, I'm not blind at all. In other words, I'm fully aware of Hilchus Kashrus, I just don't care, okay? So if you're gonna say it's all about helping the person, well, he doesn't care, right? But if you're gonna say it's about something else, whatever that else we'll talk about later, then if you don't give him the cheeseburger because you think he's blind, so you're effectively objectifying him, meaning you're not treating him as another, an independent entity, somebody who can make choices, you're saying that you are blind, even though you're claiming you're not blind, I know better than you. Okay, so that's why I conceptualize the sugi of like, lifnaive, are we trying to help somebody, or is in our attempt to help somebody actually creating an objectification of the individual, okay? Now, if you look, for example, at the sources I have, it goes source by source here. So the first source on the page just shows you the context of the pasuk of lifnaive. If you look at Pasuk Yudalit, it says, Lo tikalach cheresh, lufne ivri lotitein mechshol, v'yareitem elohech, lo tasu avo b'mishpat, lo tisap dal. So the context of the verse in Sefer Vayikra is clearly talking about what? Taking advantage of who? People who are weaker. In other words, you can't take advantage of somebody who theoretically is weaker. But there's an interesting phrase in Pasuk Yudalit, which presumably is redundant where it says, I mean, why does it say that? It could just say, Why does it say, I'll get to that in a second. But if you look, for example, at Rashi in source number three, Rashi quotes the Sifra. The Sifra is from what, what period? Period of Tanayim, okay? It's Midrash, Midrash Halacha. And Midrash Halacha says that this idea of Iver, it's not literally he's blind. What does it mean? He's Sumat Bidavar, meaning what? 
He's blind to the matter, blind to reality. That's what Rashi says. Look what Rashi says. Lefi hasuma v'davar lo titen eitza she'ena hogeges lo. You're not allowed to do what? Give him bad advice. In other words, giving him bad advice is a violation of Lifnei Iber. Why? Because he's blind to the real. Let's say, for example, someone says to you, you know, here, I want to uh, invest in a stock. You know the stock is bad, okay? So you're not blind to that reality, but he is. You advise him on a poor stock. That would be a violation of Lifnei Iber, those detained Mechshol. Well, how did they get that from the Pasuk? So if you look, for example, source number four, the Kliyakar says, Ein Lefarish Iber Mamash, U Mechshol Mamash, What's his claim? That the phrase is an attempt to qualify the idea of lifnei iver. How do we know that? Because let's say, for example, I put an actual stumbling block before the blind person. Then would be irrelevant. But let's say, for example, I give somebody bad advice. Why is it I should fear God? What's the argument? Because only God knows. In other words, only God knows what I'm doing. And since only God knows what I'm doing, I have a responsibility to fear God in that case. Meaning the way the Mepharshim understand this basically is that the phrase, the Yoretim Elohecha, qualifies the Pasuk in a way that teaches you it shouldn't be read literally, it should be read more broadly. Meaning even if somebody is a summa ladavar, he's not blind physically, but he's blind experientially to reality, so we can't take advantage of him. Okay, that's basically the biblical context to understand the passage of Lifnei Iver, and it shows why Lifnei Iver is not read by Chazal to be an actual blind person, but rather somebody simply blind to the facts. Okay? Now, the core sugya for dealing with Lifnei Iver is the discussion of Masechet Avodah Okay, The mission of Masechet Avodah Zarah says you're not allowed to do business with a non-Jew three days before his holiday. Okay? Why not? The Gemara is a discussion. The Gemara says there's two possibilities. One possibility is, if you do business with him, let's say you do a major business transaction three days before his holiday, what's he going to do? He's going to be so excited that he's going to go offer a sacrifice. He's going to thank his God, right? And that is a problem. Even non-Jews are not allowed to engage in a bodhisattva. So by doing that, you sort of set him up. Right? It's almost like a lifne Iver context, meaning you've set up reality where somebody else is going to do something which is problematic. Okay? But then the Gemara has a qualifier, and it gives the following insight. The Gemara says... Quotes of Raisa. It says, Hatan in the bold, Amar Rabbi Nasser, Minayin Shelo Yoshi Adam Koshel Yain Lenazar, the Aver Minachai Ben Noach. What does that mean? You're not allowed to give a Kos Yain to a Nazar or an Aver Minachai, right? A ripped off limb to a Ben Noach. Tamalomar, the Lifnei Ivro Temechshol, Hahachad Kilo Yahavina and Havi Shaka Yihu, the Kaaver Mishu Lifnei Iver. Right, so the Gemara says, "Hachamayaskinan to betray Avid in the This is the most important Gemara for understanding Lifnei Iver. The Gemara says you only violate the prohibition of Lifnei Iver if you enable the sin. Okay, if you facilitate the sin, it's not usher in Torah. I'll give an example. Okay, let's say for example, I'm on one side of a river, and the other side of the river is somebody else, and on my side of the river, I have a cheeseburger. Now, this guy cannot access the cheeseburger independently of me. It's impossible. Okay? If he asks me for the cheeseburger and I give it to him, I have violated the biblical prohibition of Lifnei Iver. What's the logic? I have enabled the sin. In other words, the sin could not have happened without me. I'm a partner in his crime, and therefore I violated biblical prohibition. Let's say, for example, he's standing right next to me, and he says, pass me the cheeseburger. In that case, it's only, at best, a rabbinic prohibition of misayeya la'overa because he could do it himself. If you're facilitating the sin, right, it's not biblically prohibited. If you're enabling the sin, 
it is biblically prohibited. You with me so far? Okay? Now, what's interesting is, is that the Gemara, when it talks about examples of living in Eber, it mentions specifically two categories. Who are the people? An Eber minachai to a ben noach, and a koz to a noach. Give me one second. A koz yain to a nazir. So if you look at source number six, now this is where all the exciting lambdas, if you're interested in lambdas, this is where it all comes to a head. Okay? Tosvot here in source number six is the key, so it's the key Tosvot to understanding the whole mystery of Lithna Eber. Well, watch what Tosvot says here. We're going to spend some time on this. Let's really flesh this out. Tosvot says, What's bothering Tosvot? What's bothering Tosvot is, why does it mention these specific Isur? Why does it mention specifically Eber Minachai to Ben Noach? And, and also the Yain to another. Why not mention anything? Why not say cheeseburger to somebody else? So what does he say? Those are only examples. But really that applies to all Isur. I mean, whenever you would have an Isur, if you were to enable the sin, it would be biblically prohibited. What does he say? What does he say? El dahachi naka kos yain lenazir, mishum de bestama lemishte ka baile. Kevan dechule al-machav rishatu, v'shema nishkach nezirasso. What's he saying here? Why is he mentioning these examples? Because these are people who can easily forget their legal status. Think about a Nazir. He lives in a world where what? Everybody else drinks wine. So if everybody else drinks wine, it's easy for him to say, wait a second, you know, can you give me some wine too? Forgetting, right, that he is a Nazir. Or for example, a Gentile. He lives in a world where people eat Ibrahim and Achai. He can forget, theoretically, that he is not allowed to eat Ibrahim and Achai. And therefore the Chiddush is, is that we know definitively that what? He really doesn't want to do what he's asking to do, but he got stuck. Now, why is this important for Tosvot? Because the implication for Tosvot is that, in theory, if the guy definitively knew what he was doing, and he rejected the whole category, so presumably, it wouldn't be a problem. Meaning, the way Tosvot reads the Gemara, he says, ah, those are examples of people who live in a world where the prohibition is normative, okay? They themselves don't want to do it, but they forgot. Be the equivalent to Chaim Stanton saying to me, hey, Rabdo, pass me a cheeseburger. I would know Chaim Stanton has no interest in eating a cheeseburger, right? So in that case, I would say to him, I can't do it. If I enable the sin, it's a biblical prohibition. Clearly, he is blind, he's objectively blind to his reality, right? And there's no reality where Chaim Stanton wants to eat a cheeseburger, and there's no reality where the Nazir wants to drink wine. Yeah, Joey first, go ahead. What is it? Okay, yeah. It could be, although oftentimes when it says Akum, it's a censored term. In other words, it's tough to know when the Gemara uses a term about a non-Jew, is it censor of the original, right? Because remember, originally in Gemara it says Goy, and then the censors come along and change it to Akum because they want to show the Christians that it doesn't refer to them, right? It could still be that, like, they, all, the, all the terms that they use for non-Jews and, like, they know of are, like, no, but the chiddush of bnei noach that all people are basically bnei noach are chayav in the shevet mitzvah bnei noach. All non-Jews are chayav in that. So the idea is, is that if a non-Jew basically asks you for something, and he's somebody who you know is particular about this thing, so you would assume, well, why is he asking you? He forgot, right? All non-Jews can't eat every nachai. It's one shevet mitzvah bnei noach, right? So the chiddush is, if a non-Jew asks you for it, you probably forgot. This is assuming a reality. This non-Jew, you know, takes it seriously. Okay. Exactly. That's what I'm saying that, that the point is that if somebody. If it was like somebody who was not a big no, but somebody who like nowadays like okay, fine, yeah, exactly. Someone doesn't care, right? Yeah, okay, exactly, yeah. Isn't that still an assumption that that 
that the reality is that they forgot and not that they know. No, it, it, of course it's an assumption, but it doesn't matter. The concept for Toso, which is a key point here, is that you're, let's say Ever always deals with a case where the person is not doing it but maze it. You understand? In other words, it doesn't make a difference whether Toso is right on the facts. The concept emerges independently. What's the concept? Listen to Iver assumes that the person in front of me is blind to the facts. If I were to tell him the facts, what would he do? Not do it. Okay? If he does do it, that's a problem. But in theory, that's also its claim here. Okay? Yeah? Um, when the Gemara explains the scenario, oh, and you can't do it because of a Iver, is Gemara limiting all No, all violations of Lifnei Iver are only biblically prohibited according to the Gemara if you enable the sin. If you facilitate the sin according to the Gemara, everything is derabanan. No, I understand, but are, are there other categories that you can do a wrong thing that's also considered Lifnei Iver? Meaning, I understand it, it, what the Gemara is doing is, or in this case, is expanding it to all enabling of sin. But what if you, um, you are not consider enabling just a bad thing if, if there's some sort of category that's not like. Well, what else could it be? No, the only thing, the only bad thing would be an aver, right? Absent the aver, what is it, right? You can have like a lot of lumdus, like if you do a, if, is listening to aver, you know, a problem on a Suffolk aver. But it, those are those are lumdus questions. But the point is that the key principle is the aver, okay? Yeah. Um, wouldn't listening aver, like literally doing it, also fall into the category of listening aver? As in, like, if I am putting a stumbling block in front of a person, I am, then it ends up like I'm literally making someone mess up in, a, in an area that they're blind. No, for sure, but the the is is that you already know that from other psukim, right? So the idea is that because it's very right to melo it expands it. Okay, let me show you one last line and we'll go on questions. Look what it says here. Tosso says, Aval Yisrael she'amar hoshi li nevela. Right? If, if someone, if a Jew says, give me nevela, oh, chazir, oh, shum iser, in l'chos shomi l'hoshi lo. You follow? Tosso is saying, if you know the guy, Right? It is a from, let's say, for example, uh, David Edwards says, Give me a piece of Nevela. I know he's not going to eat it. So I can give it to him. Right? Why can't I give it to him? Because there's no hobby to actually eat it. He wants to use it for, I don't know, something else. Okay? Look what he says here. Aval im yadua lo shirotze la'ochlo, osr la'hoshilo. What's the chiddush here? If you know that a, not, that a Jew, right, is going to eat it, here also pushes back. What does he say now? Says, if you know he's going to eat it, right, it's still osr. Why? And he says, um, I won't get to the Gemara, but you look, for example, at the last line, he says, What's his point here? Let's think about this Tosal for a second. Tosal is saying, Tosal starts at the beginning by saying, ah, these are examples of guys who there's a good possibility that what's going to happen, they're going to do the Isser. Okay? But if you know a guy's not going to do the Isser, you can give it to him. But then in the third category, Tosal switches. What does he say? If you know that he's gonna do the Isser, and you know that he's blind, he's not blind to the reality, but he knows he wants a cheeseburger, Tosvot says, we consider him Ki Yisrael Gomor. The Chesh of Tosvot here is that um, there are two Chidushim. The first is that it applies to all men, so that's number one. But the, but the second Chidush is that no matter what, even if the person knows the facts, even if he wants to eat a cheeseburger, Right? So he is still considered blind from the halacha's perspective, and therefore you can't give him anything. Meaning, let's say, for example, someone says to you, pass me a cheeseburger, okay? And you're on the other side of a river. You know he's not a from guy. He knows he doesn't keep kosher. It would still be usher for you to give it to him. The question is why, right? He's a mumar. He's somebody who's not from at all. How could you possibly say you're taking advantage of him? He knows the facts, right? Remember, Rashi says that the idea of Lifnei Iver is that he's summa davar. He's blind to the facts. What about this case? 
He's not blind at all. He knows all of the facts. So how could it possibly be a violation of listening eager according to Tosfo? Yeah. No, but that's the point. Rashi says the blind Ladavar specifically. As he's blind right now, he can become. become but I'm saying, like, it wouldn't have used the word blind. The blind person can't later see it. I feel like there are much better words to use there, like, like I don't know, Rosh or something. It could be, but the way the Gemara, the way Rashi and the Farshim read it basically is that blind means blind to the facts right now. I hear what you're saying. But they read it differently. They read it that blind is temporary. He will be able to see in the future. But right now, he can't see. Right? So don't take advantage of him. But my point is, here, here's my kasha. My kasha is, how can Tosfot say this? How can Tosfot say that, the, that a blind person, the Isra applies to him, but if the guy is not blind, I would think of it this way. The Torah says, listen to Iver. All the Mepharshim, Rashi, based on the Sifra, everybody says, it applies to bad advice. I mean, the guy is blind bedavar. Here the guy is not blind bedavar at all. If he's not blind bedavar at all, so why can't you give it to him? Like, well, why is it your fault? Right? What's going on here? Yeah, Levis. Okay, fair enough. Let's go with uh, Leva's argument, okay? The, it, it seems to be that Tosfot is saying that the person's blind even though he doesn't claim to be blind. This goes back to what I said at the beginning, which is, well, are you actually helping him in that case? Or doing what? Objectifying him, right? Because you're telling him he's blind. He's not blind. I mean, he is not blind to the facts. He knows, right, the idea that you can't keep not kosher. But he doesn't care. So he's not blind to all the facts. So you can say to him, had you been to yeshiva, you would have understood it. So it's so ironic, right? Because it starts off at listening either is about helping a friend. Don't take advantage. But it transitions to a category where it's about, wait a second, I know better than you. And even though you claim, right, to think that you're not blind, deep down you are blind. Now, I'll show you one source that corroborates your reading. Look what it says. This is in the Srita Eish. Okay, the Srita Eish has a tshuva about Lifna Iver. And he quotes here from, um, he quotes here from the Rambam. Okay, look what the Rambam says here. The Rambam is in Hilchos Rotzeach. The Rambam says, right? If you set up a stumbling block in front of a blind person, or give him bad advice, over Shehu Iver ve'eno ro'et derech emes ibnei tavas libo. Classic medieval codifier. What does he say? What are the key lines here? Ibnei tavas libo. Okay? What's the Rambam's chiddish here? The Rambam's chiddish is there's no such thing in the Rambam's world as a principled non-believer. David Edwards, don't get mad at me. I didn't say the Rambam did. Okay? So what, what, what's going on here? There's no such thing as a principled non-believer. Look what he says. You're not blind. It's not a question of blind to reality, like you know what's going on. Blind to the ultimate reality. That's what he's saying. Eino roederche emes tavas libo. Look at the Rambam. Look at the next part. He quotes the Rambam. This is three days. Hare kashem. Madua over hamachshos chaver im chaver yodea sheish kan iser. Hare nemar lifnei ivir l'tini mishol. Right? What's the, why? Why do you violate the iser? He knows what's going on. V'dafka ivir sheino roa. But you see, in other words, the Rambam goes the direction of Levin. Why is it a classic medieval approach? Because the Rambam thinks that these types of claims, like religion, right, are objectively demonstrable. 
right? And therefore he thinks if a person says pass me a cheeseburger, he really is blind. Because if he would study, if he would understand basic philosophy and metaphysics, he would understand. You shouldn't eat a cheeseburger, okay? But if you go to the Maimonidean root, then basically what you have to say is the following. The Torah initially says, It's understood by Rashi and the Sifra to be not talking about a blind person, but about somebody who doesn't understand the facts. You don't want to take advantage of your friend, okay? Tosfot extends it and says, wait a second, it's not only about taking advantage of your friend, it's about ensuring, right, that halacha is observed by other Jews, even if they're not blind to reality. So in that way, how are you helping him? So you have to say, like the Rambam says, what William Levitt is saying, is that he is blind, right? He's blind because he doesn't know the facts. But if he knew the facts, then he wouldn't be blind, which is ironic, right? Because then it's no longer really generating a sense of, like, I'm trying to help you out, right? Because what you're basically saying is, I don't take you seriously, right? I don't take your claim seriously. You help the guy out by not taking his claim seriously. So that's why this model of the Tosot, al to the Rambam, is conceptually problematic. Because it assumes on some level that Lifne Iver uh, grants me access to the truth. I can't take advantage of anybody, even somebody who claims to know the truth. And my counter-argument to him is you don't really know the truth. Okay, That, I think, is Shita Sarambam. Yeah. Back to the Tosot, is he saying that the only case where it's not an answer to the is if he's not blind and you are uncertain if he'll eat it or not? No, no. In other words, it's only a non answer to the if he can access the Aver independently of you. So, for example, if I have a cheeseburger right here and you say, pass it to me, I go like this, it's an Isidore button. Whereas if there's a cheeseburger on that side of the base mentions, the only way to get to it is if I throw it to you, that would be Isidore rice. That's the sheet. Okay? Yeah. Um, why is it that every case that we deal with um, is a case where, like, I guess the person who's stumbling is, is engaging in Isidore as opposed to just doing something that's detrimental? No, the, the idea basically is is that the, the, the person, Isser just means, right, and sorry, the listening he is not necessarily telling him that you can give him tray food. It could also be, for example, as the Rambam says, give him bad advice, right? In other words, whenever you're doing something which the, the, the consequence is bad for that person, it's a problem. So that makes sense to me. In other words, if you tell me, don't take advantage of somebody. Let's say, for example, someone says, I want to invest in the stock market, and you know it's a bad investment, right? Don't tell him to do it. That makes sense. That's listening either. It's part of the context in the Torah of taking advantage of you. I got it. But that's also what says, no, it's more than that. It's that he, anybody who's blind to reality, I have a responsibility to protect him. Now, that's a hard question why that is. So one model is to say what Levin says. I'm sure Moshe finds he disagrees. But what Levin said is that he's blind to the facts. He doesn't know any better. Okay, yeah, Sage. If um, facilitating sin is only considered Jeremiah, would it constitute truth to facilitate Jeremiah? That's called a, a lifne to lifne. Right? That's what I'm going to talk about that. What's called listening to listening. In other words, how far removed do you have to be? I'll give you an example, okay? Is it a problem on Shabbos? Let's say, for example, you want to do overnight mail, right? So overnight mail, right, in other words, it will definitely come on Shabbos if you order Friday afternoon, okay? So you pill pull about, let's lick lift naive here. In other words, like he's definitely going to do it. Say it's a Jewish mailman or whatever. So they say, let's say you order, let's say it goes from person A to person B, and person B to person C. It's like listening to listening, right? So how far do you go to it? I'm not sure how luckily how we pass it, okay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. Exactly. It's, it's the same idea. In other words, the concept is the same exact thing, right? In other words, I, I'll give you an example, okay? So we'll see this in a few minutes, but let's say, for example, you want to invite a non-religious Jew over your house on Shabbos. Actually, I'll tell you, let's say you want to do that. Okay, let's say, for example, you have a friend, he's not religious, or a relative is not religious. Can you invite him over to your house on Shabbos, right? So presumably, you should not be allowed to do that. Why not? They're going to drive. So you can say they're going to drive anyway. Okay, so therefore what? It's an Isidore Bono, it's not Isidore Rice, okay? But presumably, you should not be allowed to do that, okay? Now, let's say, for example, that there is a truth from Shlomo Zalman Orbach where he says that what you could do is you can offer them a place to stay, 
And if they don't take it, then it's not a problem. Why not? It's their choice. Meaning you, didn't, and you didn't facilitate any sin or enable any sin. You gave them the option. They, basically, by them choosing not to, right, then it's fine. Okay? So now, again, imagine that conversation. I'll give you an example. I have a friend who went to Yeshiva that became not from. So, he, I invited, so like, he, he called me. I was living in Riverdale. He's like, I'm coming to New York. Let's hang out on Friday night. I said, great. He says, and if you, he's not from New York. He goes, and if you offer me a place to stay, I'm not coming. Okay, but it captures the point. Why not? Because if I offer him a place to stay, then I'm saying to him basically, and he's a learned guy. If I offer him a place to stay, I'm saying to him, he's blind. He's not blind. He learned yeshivas. He doesn't like the Torah. Where would be from? So he's not willing to come to my house if I objectify him with the claim, oh, you know what? You have a place to stay. I'll give you another example. In Israel, they had a whole thing where they wanted to encourage Chilonim and Datim to get to sort of have Shabbos lunch together. This big organization. So they put ads in the paper, invite, invite somebody over. So I said, this, how do you deal with the fair? So they have all these tricks, like on the bottom, like, you know, invite him over on Friday night, offer him a place to stay. But I said, this is amazing, because the whole point of the meeting is to have two groups of equals meet. But the second I'm telling him, hey, buddy, you can stay in my house, I think you're a kofer, it's not a conversation of equals, right? So in other words, it's an interesting question about like, what does it mean to conceptualize lifting Iver, aliba do to the Rambam and Tosla? Yeah, yeah. No, let's say they can. Let's say they live five miles away. Yeah, assume that's the case. It's five miles away. Yeah. Why are we, like, if we believe that the Torah says it's exactly what's best for a person, why are we assuming that by telling them that they're, uh, you know, they're sitting or they're going, or they're coming in there, why are we assuming that it's like a bad to objectify them? The only problem should be to make sure that we're not filtering, like, the situation or the tour through our own words. No, fair enough. But my point is, is that, in other words, it's, it's not a problem per se to say, for example, I think you're wrong. Right? But presumably, you do want to respect other people's decisions. Meaning, if a person says, I'm willing to take the punishment in your divine world, like, why should we care? Right? In other words, even if I think the person's making a mistake, great. So I can think it in my head. But why should I be able to say, he will be punished? Right? I'll give you an example. You know, they have, like, the women of the wall, right? So Kareem go, go bonkers about it and do all these crazy things. Now, it's terrible. But the, the biggest problem with it is it's a Mimanashach argument. If you think it's so bad, let God take care of it. In other words, it's almost like them getting involved shows the Pagam in their real emuna in divine intervention. Right? Because if you think it's so bad, great, God will zap them. Right? If they're really being metamini the Mikdash, God will zap them. Right? But you see, it's a good example. It's like, if you think the women of law is so bad, keep it to yourself. Right? In other words, there's no reason for you to say to somebody in this case, like, hey, I'll give you my house. Like, he, took, he understands what he's doing. It's like a risk. If I tell you, for example, you can do X, you may get corona. So you say, I want to take a risk. So the, if I say to a person, you can drive to my house, but you may be high of skila. And he's like, great, I like rocks. Right? The point is that, well, why should that be a problem? He's made the choice. Okay? Now, let me show you two other things. Now, look what it says here. If you look, for example, at the shach, the shach in Yordea disagrees with, uh, with the Tosfa. Okay? And he says, basically, look at the last line. He says, Okay? The Shach says that when it comes to the Isur Doraisa of Naiber, there may be a problem across the board. When it comes to the Isur Dorabanan, it may not be. Okay? It may not be a problem for a Mumar. What would the logic be? Yeah? They're not blind. In other words, they know the reality. I have no obligation to separate them from their reality. It's their choice, and that's it. Okay? Now, if you look, for example, at, uh, turn the page for a second. If you look, for example, at the Egros Moshe. Okay, Moshe Feinstein has a chuva on this, and he has a very different way to conceptualize Lifnei Iver, which is very different than the Tosvot, Aliba de the Sri Deish. Look what he says here. He says, El Tsaris Lomar deyesh shnei inyanim belav Lifnei Iver. That's a code word for what yeshivas were. 
Svedinim, okay, or Svedinim if you're Hungarian or Polish, okay? But basically, Svedinim is, is the idea that there are two dimensions to the Isser. What is it? Hamachshil beguf hu be'inyan bein arm lechavero. This is a great chapa. This will answer Siki's question, okay? Hamachshil beguf, meaning what? When you actually engage in lifting iver, right, with like a goof, with something physical, right, it's binam lechavero. It is actually interpersonal. But if you're machshin him with an iser, who inyan bin arm lemakom, she aser lasos michshol to chait ba'olah. But this is an amazing remotion, okay? What's Ramosha saying here? Ramosha is saying here, there's tzvai dinim, I'm, I'm Hungarian and Polish, okay? So when it, there's, two, there's tzvai dinim when it comes to lifting iver. There's a dimension which is interpersonal, and there's a dimension between you and God. How can you use Ramosha conceptually to solve the objectification problem. Here's what I think. Rav Moshe, let's say, for example, Tzviki invites somebody, right, and he comes to his house for Shabbos, and he, says to, and he says to him, I'm offering you a place to stay. Why is that not objecting him, objectifying him in Rav Moshe's world? Because you can say to somebody, listen, I totally respect your decision. I have no personal problem, if, I mean, I don't like it, but I don't have a personal problem if you drive. But in my theological universe, when people drive, what happens? It creates cosmic chaos. That's what she calls it. Chet ba'olam. Right? There's chet in the world. And therefore, there's two expressions of the there. The first expression is, I have a responsibility to you. If you don't care, I'm no longer responsible. But I have a responsibility to the way I perceive the world. And in my world, when a Jew does an Avera, right, it creates cosmic dissonance. If you go this model, then the Nachmina would be, think about the Machlok as Tosvot or the Sri Deish versus Ramosha. The Sri Deish, according to the Rambam, right, and the Tosvot would say, you are blind to the facts. According to Ramosha, you could say, you know what? You're not blind to the facts. You know reality. But you know what? The same way I respect your reality, what I want you to do, respect my reality. And in my reality, I think that if a Jew does an Avera, it creates cosmic chaos. And since it creates cosmic chaos, I have to try my best to neutralize that. And by trying my best to neutralize that, I'm being honest with you that I'm not objectifying you. But I'm also being honest with me in the sense that I do believe in my world, no Jew should be driving. So if you think of the Robotion model, it's very different than the Levitt model, right? Because the Levitt model assumes I know better. This one assumes I don't know better. But I believe in my world more than yours. I respect your choices. But I want you to understand that in my world, which I also want you to respect, I don't want people to drive, right? That's my reality. As opposed to saying, my reality is right and yours is wrong. You're simply saying, same way I respect your choice to drive, I want you to respect my choice to offer you an option not to drive. Yeah? So, by remotion, you cannot give another option either way, not giving Tokso when they're doing a bear, because then it's a lower level. It's like, why? I mean, the Tulsa is a question, it's a separate question. He's talking about here whether you want to invite somebody over. I mean, let's say, for example, you invite them over on Shabbos, right? So they don't have to drive on Shabbos, they can drive before Shabbos. But they will drive on Shabbos, right? They will. So the question becomes, is that a problem with the Nazanai So the answer is yes. The question is why? They're not blind. So, they're so the Tulsa and the Rambam would say they are blind. So I'm trying to say it's another way to conceptualize it, which doesn't force you to say that, which force allows you to say, no, no. no. There's two, there's the same dinim in Lifna Iver. There's Benel and Makkum, they're not blind. Sorry, Benel and they're not blind. Benel and they are blind. So but Benel and Makkum operates in my world independently of them. In other words, my world, I'll give you an example. My friend invited me to a wedding, he was married a non Jew. 
So I said, I can't, we're very close. So I said, I can't come. I'm a, I'm a Ben Tyre. We don't go to intermarriages. So he said, he said to me, you know, he said, I knew you would say that, but wh- why not? I said to Josh, he said, Josh, the same way I respect your decision to marry Nanju, you should respect my decision not to come. He's like, you're right, good point. In other words, like, if I said to him, like, your mom is a Kofar, marrying a non-Jew, according to the Ramam, is the biggest issue in the world, I lost all credibility. If I say to him, I wouldn't marry a non-Jew, ever, but I respect your decision to do it, but the same way you res- I respect your decision, you should respect my decision not to come. Meaning, civility is not one-directional. So what I'm trying to say here is that remote financing sort of changes the model to open up a category that says there's always two levels here. There's the interpersonal, and there's more macro, but I'm let Mako, which is how do I conceptualize the world? Yeah, no. One way is similar closure that would be more clarifying, like the driving issue anyways, because we know that already defaults would be like... Mesa, yeah. Yeah, Mesa. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wait, I mean, maybe like you can say like conceptually with, with metatics that we've made or that we should, but like driving, like, like inviting somebody over for a shop and say, assume he would like... Not he definitely wouldn't look cool, but this explains why not. Because once you, in other words, once you throw in the dimension, I was using Ramosha to explain the Shrof Shomazaman's sock. But this makes sense why Ramosha is always going to be Machmer. Because he's going to say, even if you've neutralized the Benam Lamachavero, you're always going to have the Benam Lamachom. So it's not going to help. In other words, Ramosha's chuva in his world generates Chumras. He's extremely Machmer on this, right? But I'm trying to say is that even if you wanted to apply the Svara outside of Ramosha's world, it would, in theory, allow the possibility of some mechanism of a kula, right? Assuming you thought the legal mechanism works, but the language you use is qualitatively different than the Tosla and the Rambam, right? It's, it's a totally different language, okay? Yeah. Why is it really a global issue? You should also just respect the fact that you have an Isra with the Iver that you're trying to also be. No, I understand, but lifting Iver, that's what I'm trying to say. Lifting Iver is a Ben Machabero. So that's not a problem. It's not though. It's been, um, let's say Ever means I can't take advantage of somebody. Not take advantage of he, know, he knows the facts. Of course, but the point is your is only a function of him. It's not an independent Isser. In other words, that's what I'm trying to say. The Pashtas listening to Eber has been on the Mok, Therefore, if he knows the facts, he doesn't care. It's not a problem anymore. But I'm saying, Ramosh is trying to say there is a problem because there's another dimension which is not about him, it's about God. Right? And that's why it's such a compelling Svar. Okay? No, but it's between you and God. But the point is that you're not allowed in any way. You, you live in a world where you don't want sin. Right? So therefore, your responsibility is to make sure there's no sin in the world. Not meeting him. He didn't meeting the world. Chet pa'olam. That's what Moshe is saying here. Right? The chet pa'olam is the problem. The problem is not his sin. Because living evil is two dimensions, right? I can't create sin, and if I create sin by extension, I have compromised his There's another element which is that even if he's moved to the facts and he says, I don't care, I still have responsibility to the world and I have sin. And you're responsible. I'm responsible for that. So that's what he says. Right? That's what he said. Yeah. In the example you used, how does not going to the wedding be like less cosmic chaos what the assumption would be is that if you sell, let's assume for argument's sake that going, well, it's a separate conversation, but going to an intermarriage and celebrating it is a problem of X. Whatever that X is, it creates less cosmic chaos, right? That's still given in how we would conceptualize that. Yeah? So according to the motion model, do you still have to like, ask them if they want to stay over Friday night, or is that not needed anymore? According to establish that they, like, they no, no, Ramosh's model would be a chumrah. Ramosh's model would say, the pashas, you can't have them at all. Because, in other words, there's no, the, the, the sleeping, think about Ramosh's model. Ramosh would say, if you offer him a place to stay and he doesn't take it, Ramosh's would say, you neutralize the Ben Amal Chavero. And therefore you're fine. Ramosh would say, yeah, but you haven't neutralized Ben Amal Makam. So therefore it's always awesome. You'll see in a second, Ramosh is always mocking around this. Okay? Let me just tell you one thing, we'll, we'll keep going. Let's see a few examples of this in Halacha. Okay? It's really some remarkable stuff. If you look, for example, the Shulchan Aruch says in source number 10, 
Lo yitin lecho el lemish de lo shivarich. Okay, it's not exactly uh, the easiest halacha to follow. Let's say, for example, you, you, you're a rabbi in Oraita, and the first day of yeshiva comes, and you know, they have everybody come on the roof and give out falafels, and a guy says to me, can you pass me a falafel? So we usually hold cold to parish, the ruba parish. Most Oraita guys, day one, probably don't wash. Right? So the assumption of me is that I'm not allowed to give him the, uh, the what's it called? The falafel. It says it right here, right? You can't give food to somebody unless you know he's going to say a bracha. Why not? That's neighbor, right? Now, even if he can access food anyway. Okay, so it's also Durbanan. Look at the Taz. The Taz says, Zedas Hari. Near a time with the missus, that we can, we can eat. Don't do that right now. Okay? Question becomes, is that really true? Right? Is it always the case they can't do it? So let's think about the conceptual models, right? Let's think about, for example, she does Rashi, and then Tosvot, and then the Rambam. What would they say? Yeah? Oh, hold on a second. Let's think about Rashi and Tosvot. What would they say? Yeah? What would they say about Rashi and Tosvot, about the case of give the guy a, a food? Why can't you do it? Why can't you give him food? He's blind. He's blind, he's blind to the facts, right? If he had studied more, he would know. What would Ramosha say? Why can't you do it? Because either way, even if he's blind to the facts, right? So you solve the problem, even if he's not blind to the facts, you solve the problem of what? Okay? Now look what Rishon Zaman says here. This is amazing. Rishon Zaman here is talking about a case of a guy who is presumably not that from, but he is somebody who gives support to Shivas, right? And he is somebody who's invested, I guess, philanthropically or in the general world, right, in Torah, but he himself is not that from. So what happens? Let's say, for example, you have a yeshiva, let's say you call yeshiva X, and the biggest donor is not from. It's a fairly common phenomenon, okay? So he comes to visit the yeshiva, and he says, can I have some Coke? And uh, some goes to him, listen, I'll give you a soda, but you're not from, right? So, and I know it says in Shulchan Aruch, you can't do that. It's a gakasha. How, how, how do you navigate that? So look what he says, look what Shomu Zalman says. He says, Okay, everybody obviously has to act in the sake of heaven. And he talks about the case of this specific scenario. And look what he says. He says, Right? really not supposed to do it. But then he says, in the, in the, in the uh, three lines on the bottom, What does he say? You can't do it. How can you do it? That's what he says. Even though you can't tell somebody to do a short-term iser, or to say them for a long-term iser, Right? The whole nature of listening to is what? You can't place a stumbling block. What's his point here? What's his claim here? His claim is that you can never, you can't evaluate listening to locally. You have to evaluate it how? Globally. Meaning what? Let's say, for example, you alienate this guy. So right now he's a traditional Jew. Okay? But if you alienate him from Torah mitzvot, what's going to happen? He'll do more averas more broadly. Meaning what? The lifne either has to be evaluated like in a larger scale. Right? If, for example, causing him to do this avera will save him from 50 averas in the future, so in theory, that's not a problem with lifne either. 
Let's say E varies only one directional, meaning I do X, it will lead to Y. But if X lead to Y, right, will ultimately save this person from Z, D, and E, that's not a problem with naive, right? So Rosh Hashanah get psychological, we can, we can hold off here for a second, but conceptually, what's his point? His point is that lift naive is a type of isser where A will lead to B, okay? But if A leading to B will ultimately lead to C, and that C is a net positive, that's not a problem with naive Now, if you think about it, which model is he working with? Not Rav Moshe Fines, he rather who? Tosal and the Ram, because what's he saying? It's all about being able to chavero. And therefore, my responsibility to this person is to his global life, not to his life right now. So when I think about it, I don't think about him right in the moment. I think about his observance in general. Now, according to this logic, how would you justify inviting somebody over on Shabbos? What would you say? Yeah, because by inviting them over for Shabbos, it may start to keep mitzvot. And by that, that logic, presumably, it's sure you're doing a short-term avera here, but it's in service of a much bigger thing. If you don't invite him to your house, right, what's going to happen? He's going to go to a basketball game, whatever, he's never experienced Shabbos. But Rishon Zalman, again, is working within the world of Tosfot and the Rambam, and, and he's trying to say that, listen, Evir is about adversely affecting somebody, spiritually. But that adverse effect is not necessarily one action to one action. To think about how the action will have a ripple effect more broadly, yeah? Conceptually, like, Makes sense. But when I actually like put in, when I actually put that into practice, it seems pretty like arbitrary. You know? like, it's not yeah. Well, I mean, how do you evaluate? How do you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, right. Exactly. That's a fair question. Yeah. How do you, How do you know? How would it work? Yeah. Because someone could say, for example, he have a bad experience. He doesn't like the food in the yeshiva, and then he's going to hate it even more. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a good question. Okay. Yeah. Well, tochah is a separate category. I mean, how do you deal with someone who's doing something wrong? But let's hold up. Let's keep that for a second. We got tochah, right? This guy says. The guy says, give me the food. No, but you can't give him tochah for whatever reason, right? The question is, you can't give him the food. Practically, can you give him the food? Like, think about it. I'm sure some of you have relatives or people you know who don't say brachas. Can't give him the food. It happens all the time. Halach all the time. Right? Can you imagine if you went home for Pesach and your relative said to you, pass me a drink. Don't say brachas. That would not go over all that well, right? But it's an interesting question conceptually. How are you allowed to do that? So you have to say this is far like Roshon Zalman, that it's not a local question, right? It's a, it's a global question. Right? How would people perceive you, your identity, et cetera, et cetera, if you start to think about things in these terms? Yeah. For sure, but Rav Moshe is, Rav Moshe is always going to be machmir. You follow? The svara of Rav Moshe is different than Roshon Zalman. Because Rav Shomo Zalman is always thinking in the world of Benam L'chavero. Okay? And since that's the case, he wants to say, wait a second, we can be more makel here because if I don't do the X, right, it will create a disaster of his religious life. Rav Moshe is going to be more machmir. Because Rav Moshe is going to say, even if I can solve the Benam L'chavero, I'll have the other problem. Wait a minute, with, with Rav Moshe, isn't the most important thing how much total sin is happening in the world? Okay. Good question. But Ramosha would say, you know this with Torah Svada, that's a very good question. Ramosha would say, I only know, that's kind of what JJ was saying, I only know right now but Torah Svada this will happen. I don't really know what's going to happen in the future. Right? And there was a suffix, think about math, right? If I have a Vada'i 10 out of 10, and a suffix maybe 11 out of 10, so I do the 10 out of 10. So what about the case of inviting someone over for Shabbat? You know for a fact, they're going to continually be breaking Shabbat all night if you don't invite them. But if you do, they're going to drive to your house and then they're going to have you don't know that for sure. No, you for, for all you know, the false sleep. In other words, if you think about the sin, the cosmic sense, you have no idea what's going to happen. Right? They, may, they may pass out, right? The point is that if you imagine the world that way, then you think about things differently. I hear what you're saying. It's subtle in terms of thinking about how you move from A to B. But the idea would be that if you're thinking about cosmic sin, the more sin you see right now, that's the problem, I think. So you could just say, you could have as much gap. If they don't explicitly say they're driving, 
Look, I'll, sh- I'll show you. Uh, look, 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 for example, uh, look what he says here. Look at Ramosha Feinstein's next source. Look what he says here. Ramosha Feinstein's talking about your case, okay? And he's, look what he says. Nishalti me harab naftali karabach. This is not the Shon Karabach. Okay, look what he says. Me Detroit. Okay, no, no yeah, me Detroit. Yimiyesh isrof ne ivri lahazmi anashim shevol le palel b'shabbos. Abed haknesset sheyodeh shechalu shabbos mesiyah be... What's the next word? Machines. Okay? Right? Mesiyah be machines. Okay? Can you... Can you... Machines is a hamish way to say cars, okay? All right, the point is that you know he's going to drive the machines, okay? Amazing. Now, why, why is it, you know, it's actually, I heard a great story that Rav Tov Feinstein um, was in New York, and Rav Amar, who was the chief rabbi at the time, Sfar chief rabbi, was also in New York, and they were at an event together, and people came over and asked Rav Feinstein, why, this is a famous shooter of Moshe. Everybody wants to understand why does Moshe say that if you invite somebody over, it's a violation of Macy. What's Macy? Enticing. Okay? Enticing. So all these Shivish guys are asking, why does he say it's a problem of Macy's? Why is it a problem of Macy's? Why is it a problem of Macy's? So Roshul Muhammad doesn't speak English. So he's like, oh, Macy's? Chanut Begadim? Anyway, that's a good uh, Yeshiva joke. But basically, what you're seeing here is Ramosh is very machmir. Why is it very machmir? Because again, in his world, whenever you start thinking about inviting somebody over, it does make a difference if long term it's going to help them. You know, right now, get in the car, you're done, right? Whereas in Rosh Hashanah's world, he would say it's a, it's a total sort of cost benefit, right? That's the idea, yeah. Wouldn't be a problem. It's, it's their their territory because you're saying explicitly. Listen, like I have a responsibility in my world, so I have a responsibility to you. And therefore, I'm not objectifying you. I'm simply saying that in my world, I want to sort of protect my sort of cosmic world. Yeah, I think it's really it's telling the other guy that what you do doesn't really matter to me. I'm just protecting my back in my world. No, I do, it does matter to me. That's why in theory I wouldn't wouldn't want you to do it. But the point is, I'm not going to say because of that. Right, you're an awful person. I'm simply saying that this is the way I believe. Same way I respect your choice, respect my choice. It's the same idea. I, I guess, but then if you're always going to be like mafir, then you're never going to have like a like that situation. But, that, but that's the reality of life. In other words, the reality of life is that people do things or don't do things based on other people's choices. I mean, that's how life works, right? In other words, I will say I'm not comfortable. You know, I know that people are very makeable about Corona. I'm not respect. I understand where you're coming from, but respect my space, right? So that's how conversations happen all the time. It's a different conversation. Okay, yeah. Okay, that may be a different case. It, 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 that's what he's talking about. He's talking about a case where you just invited them over. You're, you're trying to bring people closer to Tuesday. You have no idea what they're going to do. If you know explicitly what they're going to do, you're going to go to a nightclub. Let's say we have to say, I'm going to go to a nightclub with non Jews and I'm going to eat trafe while wearing Kilheim. Okay, so yeah, so in that case, you would say, okay, cost benefit. Okay, but that, fair enough. Okay, so in theory, that could be possible. Now, so if you, if, for example, you said to him, like, what are your plans? He says, I'm planning to do 35 Isurim, right? So then you talk about it. But that's what I was talking about. So I'm talking about kids, again, this case is a case where he wants to, the people want to invite someone for Shabbos. This is not a case of like, this is a case where you're doing key roof, right? You're trying to engage people who are not connected. So it's not a case where you're going to ask them, what do you do for Shabbos? You just put up a poster saying, come to Friday night dinner, right? But they're going to drive. So the question is, is that allowed? Okay? Let me tell you one last thing. A lot of time I'll take your questions afterwards. This is a tshuva from Moshe Sternbach. Right? Moshe Sternbach is not is a very interesting Chori Posek. Okay, he has a he's a tshuva called Chuvas Vanhavus. He's a rabbi from Johannesburg. Okay, he's extremely makele about this. Look, look what he says. This is incredible. Look what he says. Nira she yisoda isolos neiver who dumiyad de iver shemachshilo. This is great. What does he say here? What does he pick up on? Lif neiver is rooted in what? Kavana. Avaim kavana to rakot toivas atzmo lo nigramachshil. 
this is the most intuitive svar. What's he saying here? Lifnei Iver, in the Pashup shot of Rashi, assumes you're doing something bad. If you're doing something good, it's not Lifnei Iver. Look what he says. He says, um, What's his point here? He says, listen, it's true they're going to drive. That's their choice. But if your motive in inviting them over is to show them Shabbos, how could that possibly be lifting Iver? The lifting Iver at its core assumes negative intent, right? So this is a totally different conceptual model. Meaning, so let me just summarize. We start off by seeing the, the Torah talking about lifting Iver. We said it can't be talking about an actual Iver because it says, right to Then we said, what does it mean? It means taking advantage of somebody, giving bad advice, etc., etc. Okay? And then we said, who does it apply to? We said it applies to anybody, even if they're not blind to reality. She took Tosso. Why? Because when push comes to shove, they know the truth, right? They're Taiva Slebo, right? They're Taiva's right? taking over their reality. That was the sheet of the Tosso, according to the Rampa. Okay? We saw another model, which Ramosha Feinstein said, you know what? There's actually two dinim in, let's say, Iver. One is interpersonal, one is between man and God. We also saw Shlomo Zalman said it's about net total. Net total sin, and therefore you're allowed to do this either locally if it saves you more globally. Come to you with the promotion sermon because you know what? I'll give you a basic svar, intuitive svar. The nature of lifting either is your motivation is to do something bad. And therefore, if your motivation is to do something good, not a problem. Right? It's not a question of like taking advantage of somebody or objectifying them. It's simply a question of what is your motive? The clear context of the Torah in Sefer Vayikra talks about it is talking about taking advantage of people who don't know. So if you have a positive kavana for him, not a problem. If you have a negative kavana for him, problem. And therefore the nafkamina would be, in all these cases, let's say, for example, your mom says, you know, pass me the, the drink. How can you do it, according to him? How can you do it? Or is that, you couldn't say, for example, if I, it's actually a more complicated svar, but it's something like this. I'm allowed to give it to my mom. Why? Because I'm not giving her the drink so that she can not say a bracha. I'm simply recognizing the fact that if I give it to her right now and create brightness between me and her right now, that's sort of bad for our larger religious identity. It's actually more of a Shlomo Shlom Zalman svar than a Moshe Sternbuch svar. But still, the svar of Moshe Sternbuch assumes that deep down, when push comes to shove, if your kavanah is a tov, it's not a problem. Yeah? Well, yeah, because here you're talking about kids who's driving to shul. It's an Isidore Rice. So it's saying even though we're not dealing with the world of Shul Tishvah, you're still able to do that? Yeah, because his whole point basically is that, is that what's the Isra rooted in? Meaning, he, he's basically Dorish time for the crow. He's saying basically the Isra is rooted in an idea that I can't take advantage. If my Kavanah is a token, I'm taking advantage. Never an Isra. It's an intuitive Svar. Right? It's not a, a Svar that like, you know, uh, you know, it fits so naturally, but it's an intuitive Svar. Like your goal is to not take advantage of the guy. Leave him alone. Okay? Okay, here's what we're going to do. I, I know that people may be hungry and Minchas was two minutes ago. So I'm, 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 I'm here and I'm eating lunch with you guys or I'll be, I'll be in that area so you can ask me privately. All right, Rabosa? Yeah. Go ahead, as always. Yeah. 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 Yeah.